Hello and welcome to Court Games, a Legend of the Five Rings podcast, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing game stories and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Korva. And I'm Kikita Kaori. And uh, today, in lieu of the fact that I have not got my dragon book, if the oh, dragon no. book even even uh has mysteries in it um <laughs> we're, we're just going to talk about mysteries because yeah. uh, i don't have any fresh access to kitsuki investigators and uh, a lot of uh l5r has a lot of mysteries for your adventures to go on so yes i thought we'd talk about how to create and run a mystery rpg in rokugan or really in whatever uh campaign you might want to be doing this in Yes, not not a lot of this is specific to Legend of the Five Rings, but the template of the Emerald Magistrates is a very common one. So they will your your players may well often find themselves in classic mysteries to solve. So uh, we hope this will be of use. In news this week, there is the adventure to accompany Writ of the Wild. And that is called Imperfect Land. It was written by Mary Brennan, and it's out as of December the fifth on Drive Through RPG. And uh, we should be providing a link to that in our show notes. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, we've got people who are pre uh, pre reading the Game of a Hundred Candles by Marie Brennan, who, which is kind of the follow up novel to Night of a Thousand Demons. And they really like that book. I haven't read it yet, but you do. I've had the opportunity to do that. And it's really, really good. It's a direct, it's kind of direct follow up. Only instead of in a, an isolated village in Dragonlands, we're now in the Phoenix lands. And she did come on and say that there will definitely be a third in the series. So that's very exciting. So that's our news for today. Obviously, we're still in this phase of not getting a whole lot of news for L5R, but mm-hmm. that's that's pretty good. And as we said earlier, today we're going to talk about mysteries. Now, we like the idea of mysteries in shows and in books, our media. Uh, we do them a lot. And, and of course, our RPGs are always based on the storytelling we enjoy. So it's very natural for mysteries to be in RPGs, uh, especially one like L5R, where that's almost one of the best ways to get people of different clans together and to use the intrigue as well as the concept uh, combat side of the setting. Um because mysteries can have both. However, there are problems with running mysteries in RPGs. So some elements don't work. It is very easy, for example, for players in a mystery, in an RPG, to not themselves be as brilliant or have access to all of the things that a detective in a show might have. And they get off track and very frustrated uh, with, you know, being forced back on track or just be, uh, you know, not able to find the clue to know what to do next. Yes. It's it's very easy when you're writing a novel to have your incredibly brilliant character always be right when they make a, 
an assumption or you know at least you you can always ensure that they will pick the clue that leads to the next part of the plot but when it's players around the table it's a lot harder and they can they can they things that you think are obvious you know they're, they're not obvious and conclusions that you think oh obviously this is the right conclusion they can go someplace else they will pick on details that you don't think are important it's very easy for them to get off track or frustrated as you say so that's the thing to look out for it's also easy in a role-playing game it's less so i think in fifth edition legend of the five rings but it's fairly easy like in your actual detective fiction you have the one brilliant detective but that tends not to work in a role-playing game where you have several people around the table and having one person who can do all the clever investigating or the one person who can speak to the dead and that sort of thing um if that's not a lot of fun for the other three or four people around the table if there's only one person doing it give people a chance to shine but you do want to include everybody if you, if you can yeah so communicating for example with the dead and having them tell you what happened should have a place in the mystery your shikinsha should have something to do and if that's what they do that's great but it shouldn't yeah, yeah. be like the whole adventure because then everybody else is left like just carrying water for the the, the character who can do that and and that can be the same with the kitsuki investigator as well or the doji who's just brilliant at getting everybody to confess <laughs> yes you know everybody needs a bit finally uh if there's you know if the players solve the mystery and they do it in a way that the gm finds too easy like they they manage to just latch on for no reason on exactly the right person right away even just because they they um they guessed right okay it is and that was the adventure that the gm had planned it is very tempting for a gm to kind of snatch away the victory uh by making justice not happen it's like oh you solved it but now you know you are going you are going to um you know pay because they're going to get out of it in some way now in rokugan justice often often is put off you know justice doesn't happen but if it's if you're tempted to get there because of the the game itself was too easy like the investigation was too easy and so you have to like feel like you need to do that uh just because of that uh then you know maybe you need to figure out how to make the investigation itself a little beefier so everybody feels like they've fulfilled some accomplishment even if justice does get snatched out from under you know the weight of the the victory you know so they know they found it you know they know they found the answer and that this thing is taking them to the next level of plot not just a we guess too easy and now you're just taking it away from us and also yeah let, let the characters be smart let them let them feel awesome mm-hmm so we're going to try and come up with some ideas and a ways of thinking about um, mystery stories to help GMs kind of address some of those issues. And the first way is to look at the bones of how in real life a mystery is solved. 
Um, so in a lot of crime dramas and stuff, they have you looking at all these clues and the hair, you know, on the under the fingernails or whatever it is, you know. But the meat of how classic investigation is done, the the pounding footwork that is done that actually makes it up is to solve for a mystery of any kind, but let's say a murder, the means, the motive, and the opportunity. That's the that's the three parts of solving a mystery uh, in in real life. So now you instead of one thing, who did it, you've now got three things for your party to find. The means, the motive, and the opportunity. And those can be found by different people. So now you can split it up between your your party. The means is how was the victim killed? Or how, you know, how did this particular you know mystery happen? This bad thing happened. The means is a really good one for your Kitsuki or Shiginja or people who have specific expert knowledge about the thing we're being discussed. Let's say death and dying, uh, the center of the investigation. You know, you want your Kitsuki to shine. This is where they shine. They can see these clues. They can they can understand it. They've got the and They can look at the knife wound and say, yes, it was a knife wound in this angle or what, whatever it is. The, the Kitsuki has the experience or the Shigenja communing with the dead or asking the Kami, like, what happened here? You can you could also bring in a skilled swordsman who can say, I know something about the style that was used. This this cut is only ever used by this style, style of Kenjutsu. And that's a thing we need to look out for. That can be you can so you can bring in. Things that don't, you know, characters who don't actually normally think you think of as an investigator, but it's a it's a serious trope to go. Oh, that's definitely Itoryu style. That strike. The next kind of leg of the investigation, if you like, is motive. You know, why was this person killed? And this can be very useful for your courtier or your social characters, depending on who or what. You know, it doesn't necessarily be. If it wasn't necessarily someone killed, it was a theft or was you know, some other thing. This could be where your court characters can take the lead. This could also be where your less salubrious characters. Maybe they need to go have a chat to the local gambling dens and see if anyone was owing anybody money. Uh, things like that. So you can follow trails like... What was the victim up to? What were their connections? Who benefits from their being killed or whatever the crime is? Who might want this to happen? And that gives you lots of links. And that's, there's a few different ways you can track into that. But that gives you something, especially for your social side and intrigues and things like that. Right. There's so many ways in fifth edition, especially to figure out people's motivations. Um Lots of shuji around it, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of opportunity uses. That's where you can really shine is finding out why would this victim be killed? You know, what do the people in the environment think about them? Like if, for example, you want to do a commune with the dead scene to get the means, the spirits aren't going to know why the 
thing happened. Even the yeah, dead person isn't yeah. really going to know why. They just know what, what happened. Um, but motive is why. And then the last leg of the tripod is opportunity, which is did one of your suspects with motivation have the opportunity to kill the victim using that method, using the means in in that victim's time when they were alive or you know, during that scene? When did it happen? H- how did the opportunity arise for it to happen? And this particular area is a really good one for your shinobi players who can do following people around or sneaking into places or really getting the layout. Uh, it can be a good one for physical characters or people who are good at socializing with servants um, as opposed to, you know, socializing with the uh, other suspects, which you're doing for motive, right? This is like, was anyone standing there during this period of time that day? When? How did the opportunity happen? It could also include things like our suspect are they capable of doing the thing are the you know, if i you know in the example of you know does this person study ito you is this person a skilled enough sword fighter to do that strike or in you know, that sort of thing you know, could they fit through that narrow opening which we think is the only way the killer got in mm-hmm so then you then you see if you can do it or so this is a good one i think for physical characters or i want to say you're your B-list social characters. You're not talking about people with really high um, vigilance necessarily or um, to for their target numbers, which is what you want your courtiers working on because they, they specialize. But this is people who would give up their information if you asked, but you just need to go talk to a lot more of them. So if you split these three things up, then you have things for your, basically your whole party to do. Yeah. Right? Because very often you say, oh, there's a mystery to be solved. And a lot of people go, uh, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. So in the very least, if you kind of split it up like this, it's a structure for them. Yep. It's, it's a way of breaking it down. And how would you do this as a GM? As, I, as a GM in an, you know, I, I OC sitting at the table would flat out tell my players that in order to investigate this thing, they it, their investigation won't be considered complete until they have returned all three. I want you to go out and find the means, motive, and opportunity for this crime. And that gives the structure, that gives different people different things to do. It provides a way into it without them just sitting there going, I don't know what to do first. It's like, and you can from there, like give them a list of the suspects, so, you know, lists of various people at the site to, you know, start working at them. But you know, say, okay, I want you to come back to me when you're done or, you know, and have means, motive and opportunity. They might argue that in Rokugan, you know, they don't know about the principles of investigation. So don't have a character say it. It's like, I, I kind of disagree with that, actually. This is a trope that is very firmly embedded and I think is a bit silly. In, <laughs> you know, once once you've got those, the, the kind of the, the laws laid down by Boshi Seban, I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. But once you've got that, then, and when you have the Emerald Magistrates, they aren't idiots. 
you know, they may they may not be all that fussed about literal physical evidence, but I still think that if if they're Eureka to a an actual emerald magistrate, which is a very common starting position, I think that person is very much likely to say, "Don't come back to me until you've got means, motive, and opportunity." And I I I, I I'm kind of pushing back against this notion. Oh, they they're dumb. They don't know how to do investigations, but. I think they do. I don't think, I mean, yes, it's much more testimony based and stuff like that. And yes, people's status can get in the way, but that doesn't mean they're stupid. I think that that's very legit. I would still ask for it as a GM as well yes. as yes. the authority character so that because that helps the players like know what they want, you know. But uh, if they come back to an authority figure and don't have all three, absolutely, then the, the authority figure they're reporting to can say, you know, but what about why they did it? I can't accuse anybody unless they tell me why they did it. Go find the motive. Or I can't accuse anybody until you can prove that they were there when it happened, you know? Yeah. And then to go back and find the opportunity. So, so Absolutely. And uh, if the players do come back to their authority figure or take a big action without all three, oh, so you can hint by saying you don't have all three. They can choose to go forward anyway. But that's when you start saying, OK, maybe your effort is not as successful. Maybe some things go wrong because you haven't yeah. found all three. Fundamentally, in a hierarchical society where everyone's got a boss, you're going to have to sell this to people. You're going to have to convince people that this is the right... You are unlikely to be in a situation, maybe maybe sometimes, where you are the authority and can do, do what you want. Most of the time, you are going to have to sell your conclusion to someone and convince them. So, yeah, have all three. And make it clear to your players that that's what's going to be needed. Mm-hmm. So... The next aspect, I guess, of um, of doing this is like, how do you make your suspects list? How do you how how do you do this? How do I how do I pick a suspect and make all these the, all these other suspects? And and like, what about red herrings? Like, should I make suspects that aren't suspects? Mm. The answer is no, no red herrings. No red herrings. If at any point, I I kind of. I think there is, theoretically, if you're really good at this, to make a red herring work, whereby following the red herring, that tells them something that gets them on the right path. But if you are listening to a podcast, as you are right now, thinking, hmm, should I have red herrings? The answer is no. If you're asking yourself that question, the answer is no, because quite frankly, your players will supply as many red herrings as you could possibly ever want and more don't actually provide any of your own. Yeah. In general, your suspects can be anyone for any reason. Um, I would I would say for L5R, keeping your suspects and your victims in similar social backgrounds because it's more challenging. If you have the victim be well below the suspect's class, then it's really hard to like make anything happen on the accusation because, you know, Privilege. <laughs> privilege has its privileges, I guess. 
and vice versa, nobody's going to bother to find the truth. They're just going to kill them first suspect anyway, if the suspect is very far below the victim. So keeping them on the same social class keeps it kind of a mystery. But I am going to tell a very deep GM secret, one that is, you know, the forbidden lore of GMs throughout history and telling a story. So if you do not want to hear this secret and you're a player and you don't want the uh, GM secret ruined for you, you might want to skip ahead five or ten minutes. Okay? All right. The GM should make multiple suspects, all with means, motive, and opportunity. Okay? And whichever one of those suspects the players latch onto the most and manage to find out all three about, that's the one who did it. You don't ever need to have a real for true, this is the person who did it in a game. That's the secret. If the players build their case, latch onto the wrong person, them failing directly doesn't make for a good story. And it doesn't make them feel heroic. It just makes them feel bad. It makes you like have to bend over backwards and do weird things to try and put them on the course of the right subject again. And it doesn't make the mystery flow naturally. And you don't need it. You don't need a real for true. This is the person who did it in a game. So whoever they accused, as far as your story is concerned, that's the one who did it. Okay. So there's the evil secret. <laughs> Just make a bunch of people with means, motive, and opportunity and let the player pick. And honestly, you can, I mean, you can also have for each one of them an if-they-did-it option and an if-they-didn't option. So if, if they're, they're focusing on, on your, your, your third pick, then you can start blocking off the, the first and second so now, now they didn't have the opportunity because you've written down an option for, well, okay, if they're not the one who did it, then they weren't anywhere near the geisha house at the time in question. Or if they were there, someone was with them the whole time. Whereas if that was the, the people the players were focusing on, well, they were mysteriously seen near, but you know they don't have anyone covering for them. Mm-hmm. And so you've got the option to make, put them in or put them out as need be. Right. And just makes it so much more free form, so much easier. You don't have to structure the game so linearly. Um, you, you just let them ride and, you know, truth comes out at the end of the story. They don't know what happens in your head. That said, this is still Rokugan. There are consequences to whoever they pick. And that's the important part. That's the most important in the mystery. Even if they get the right one, it doesn't mean they didn't help out a villain by taking out a rival or hurting an, or they didn't hurt an innocent or they didn't get put in a position of difficulty. So in improv, we have this idea of the principle of yes and, okay, in improv theater. So, you know, somebody starts a scenario, you don't end the scenario saying you're wrong. You say, yes, you're right. And this other thing happens. And this is a very key principle for role-playing games is too. Yes, you're right. And, and, and then you focus on the consequence because that's the next step in your campaign. Yeah. I kind of, there's, there's a, along, along with the Rocky, don't know how to do investigations meme. 
there's the you will never get the right person because they'll be too high status and you can't do anything to them meme, uh, which I, I think can be overdone. And you can also make the players feel that the whole investigation was pointless. So you, you may want to be careful with that one or, or give them ways around it. You want to make sure that you say that they're right and they feel the glow of being right. And then the next thing happens. Give them that Give them that moment. Yeah, but I, I think you have to be cautious about, you know, this was all someone else's evil plan and you all fell for it or that sort of thing. You know, you, you did damage along the way. Not, not, not avoid it completely, but I, I don't think it's necessarily one you should use an awful lot or the players are just going to stop feeling that they're going to be able to accomplish anything because it's all very well knowing who did it if, you, if, if nothing ever happens. So, you know... A balance, as with all things. So, having talked about suspects, the next thing to look at is, okay, clues. Clues is another very important part of an investigation. Now, the physical clues that you may find are really only useful if they point towards means, motive, or opportunity. So, there are obviously going to be clues about means. So, you know, what is the wound type? How did someone gain entry to this room? Those sorts of things. You can also help narrow down from a potential pool of suspects, uh, which I guess comes into, I'm not quite sure whether that comes to means or opportunity. Now I think about it. Like if you find out that the person was very tall, whoever did this must have been quite tall. That's a very classic one. Look at the footsteps. Look at, look at where they wrote their, their message of evil on the wall. They must be quite <laughs> tall. Um, I, I'm not quite sure whether that comes under means or opportunity, but they they <laughs> they point towards one of those things. That's what they should be doing, right? But but overall, especially you know, we've talked about you know diminishing evidence as opposed to testimony, moving means, motive, and opportunity into like the social world more more than the uh, you know. So so in Western American CSI storytelling, we're very big on these physical clues, right? And I'm not saying you can't have them. You can have them, but they aren't as important as well there's, as there's discovering them. There there's I think I think the where they become important is just different. You can't take that clue to your boss and say, therefore I've solved the mystery. But it is going to point your character in the right direction, and then you do the social stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can use them. They're they're there. I'm just saying they don't necessarily have to be there for a mystery. Actually, they're not required. They are a good use for characters who have offbeat skills or passions. Those sorts of things that they never get to use because. The game doesn't go that way. Uh, design or seafaring or labor or commerce or aesthetics. You know, whatever the rarer skills is for your campaign that certain characters have chosen to foster, that's where you want them to shine with finding just clues. So you have the person who's just crazy passionate about Ikebana. Go ahead and put a clue in the broken branch of the cherry tree that over there i mean okay you've got your mantis who never uses seafaring well you know all knots are seafaring so put you know something in the 
cords or the tying or anything like that. You know, there are many chances to use skills that don't get used otherwise. Um, and that's what you want for these clues most of all. Um, save your standards, you know, s the social skills, theology, combat skills, which are always used in the rest of the investigation or often the rest of the campaign, you know, those get used and worked out a lot. Try and try and find p use here for people's offbeat. Yeah, yeah. Um, although there's nothing wrong with I believe it. I can't remember if it's Dashiell Hammett, one of one of the classic uh, pulp novel writers. If things are getting slow, have someone come through the room with a gun. Although I suppose it'll be with a katana. In we'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we've got we've got that in a minute. It's not the most important point, but sometimes, yeah, it's, you might want to use it to spice it up. But yeah, they get a lot of work out in other areas of the game, so they can be on the back burner for this. Yeah, you can you can let the players and the characters take the lead and fill in clues if you think they're floundering. Great use. I mean, to to get a little L five Irish for once. Um, there are opportunities opportunities are fantastic this sort of thing where you can kind of i'm going to roll to see if i can work something out and oh look an opportunity which i will just kind of let the gm decide if i can find a thing because you can discover things you can state that you find stuff all sorts of very useful things which in a lot of games you just don't have so even if they technically fail a roll they could use opportunities to find something that they weren't quite expecting. Like, I'm, I'm going to search the, the rack of books and scrolls for a clue. Maybe they fail, but they've got an opportunity. So you say, well, no, but there is a squeaky floorboard you discover as you're walking about. I guess that's why, that, that is why I like to de-emphasize clues and say it's not as important. You planning the mystery ahead of time do not need to work out the clues. No, not so much. You work out the clues on the fly based on what skills your characters bring to the table and employ. You might have some ideas if you've got some good offbeat skills that you want to encourage your players to use. But you don't need to work out all your clues. Let them come up to support what they're learning in it. Because it's not, it's not, what happened is flexible because the story is flexible. We talked about that. But, all right. And again, you don't, as for clues, as for people, you don't need red herrings. You don't want to make clues that point nowhere. Everything is pointing towards the end of the story. The players might make their own anyway and then discard them as a red herring. That's fine. Let them. Yeah. Um, but but don't don't try and intentionally hurt your players on this. I mean, again, this is a thing that works fine or at least a lot better in novels and such where having your the character wander off into a dead end for a bit is perfectly fine because you can write the stuff in and make it interesting, possibly even let that red herring lead them to somewhere useful. But that's when you're in complete control and you're writing everything and you don't have some players who are trying to get something done. Mm -hmm. So no red herrings. So... How do you get that feel for a mystery story? Um, well, a lot of mystery stories have a a story arc, which kind of follows the path. You want the, the goal of all of this storytelling is so that from beginning to end, you have a good story that everybody can go, "Wow, that was a good adventure for my characters," and we go drink 
drink about it at the pub afterwards and tell all these poor random people about the cool mystery you just solved. I mean, that's your that's your goal as a GM, right? How do you make this flexible framework that we've talked about feel like a coherent story? Well, there is a kind of a classic story arc that works for, for mysteries. We talked about this a little bit for our romance episode, but mysteries kind of have the same thing, okay? First of all, in the story arc of a mystery, you have an instigating incident. This is usually just before the PCs arrive. Um, it can happen after the PCs have arrived, but when they're paying attention somewhere else. So the next thing has happened is that the PCs will arrive, whether they're being told to go there or whether they stumble across it or whichever. They will end up at the crime scene and they will assess what they find there. Once they've come to the crime scene or and they're assessed it, they've gotten their first looking for means motive opportunity. So they're doing that social uh, or observational or communing or whatever thing that they're going to do to try and find these three things. At that point, you get a period of rising action. And this is about what's happening to the NPCs. While the PCs are investigating, the NPCs, the people around who were there at the beginning, are beginning to get angry or scared, or the situation itself is getting more tense as the stakes get higher and time pressure is on. Maybe you introduce the concept that the daimyo is going to arrive or something is going to arrive in a certain amount of time. You, you want to start putting pressure on it. Maybe people are beginning to protest that they think they're going to be accused or maybe they're frightened that the murderer is still there or something kind of like starts slowly putting the screws on the investigation, amping up the tension, whether it's time tension or emotional tension. And this should if your players are doing their investigation part, correspond, interestingly enough, to their rising strife levels as they keep more strife during their investigation. So that works. Uh, at some point, you want to twist. The, there's some fundamental understanding that the characters are wrong about. Something or there's, there's a new piece of information which comes to light and thus, everything they've been thinking after this point turns out to be wrong. Or you can have things like the stakes are much higher than you thought. It isn't just one person. It's going to be several people. Or the person who was killed wasn't as ordinary as they looked. It turns out that they're terribly, terribly important. Right. Something put it into jeopardy. Yes. There's, or there was, it turns out there was actually two people in that room at that time and now there's someone missing, and you don't know where they are. Mm -hmm. Loads of things. Something something new has, has come in and throws a whole new light on everything. If you're watching classic mysteries, this is when the second body turns up. Yes. Almost always. But something happens to make this, make the, invis the investigation change in a dramatic fashion. You want one of those thrown into the middle of your investigation after this period of rising action. And it could be due to what the PCs have done, or it could be due to something else. Events are occurring without the PCs' involvement. As I said, another body shows up. That slams on top of that rising action, that increasing tension, and kind of gives it a blowout moment. Um, you could also end up having a fight at that moment, too. It's just kind of like a climax within the story. 
the next stage after the twist in a mystery story is, you know, what I'm calling drawing together the threads. So at this point, the PCs have reviewed all of their information. They've assembled the pieces of their investigation and they've determined the suspect. And they've at least think that they've got a means, motive, and opportunity, or they're almost there. In a mystery, this would be when, after the twist, you bring the PCs together in the bathhouse to discuss what they've discovered. Yeah, 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 yeah. For example, that's that's how you do. So you have everybody scattering, following their investigation, trying to find these things. You need to bring them all together so they can come up with their conclusions. So, you know, you want to give the PCs a bit of privacy and some time to just hash out OOC and IC, like what they're going to do next. And so you want this very classic scene, the I'm sure you're wondering why I brought you all together kind of thing, which is just so classic. And so like they, it's not necessarily quite like that. It could be the classic thing where you bring all the suspects together and you go through them one by one and then say, oh, that's why you didn't do it. And then, but maybe it was you. And then finally you pick them up, the, uh, you bring out the one person who did do it. Or you socially get them to blurt out a confession. That's always very classic. But it could also be, this is where you bring it to the boss. Mm-hmm. This could be the trial. This could be, you know... The, the, it could be the moment where you decide that you're going to take justice into your own hands and turn up and go, this is because of the murder you did. So uh, This is kind of the big dramatic climax of it. And this is where you bring out the means, the motive and the opportunity and put it all together in front of, you know, the right person. Now, it can be the PCs go directly to their suspect, depending on what the crime is, and, and say, look, I have you on means, motive, and opportunity. Basically, this stage I call the accusation. So, that you know, we've, we've drawn together the threads. At some point, you make the accusation, whether you make it to the suspect, to an authority, to a whole group of people, um, or you, d- you know, you, you determine the truth itself, write it on a piece of paper and stick it to the bottom of the seat. Somehow, you have made the accusation. The final step of an investigation is the wrap-up. The important thing about the wrap-up is the continuation. So you've made your accusation. So we said we've had no false herrings. We don't believe in false herrings. So PCs are right. But the investigation concludes, but it has links to how the story continues in the next phase of the game. Unless this is a one-shot, in which case you're done. But usually you want your continuation to carry you forward into the next part of the game. And that yes and is the important part. So instigating incident, PCs arrive and assess the scenario, rising action, the twist, drawing together the threads, the accusation, and the wrap-up. That's the story arc of a mystery story. And most of those uh, don't even, you can you can help keep the PCs on track with that, even though they're doing whatever it is that they want to do, because you can, you can keep, that, keep that going based on the actions of the NPCs. So um, hopefully that gives you a little bit of a story arc. <laughs> yeah. And then once you're wrapping it up, so here are some ideas for how that wrap-up can lead to the next part of the adventure or, the next, or even sometimes the next adventure. But sometimes, even if it's not a one-shot, that's that story over, 
but now we're going to move, now we're going to move on to the next one and it's here is how that investigation or the, or that wrap up leads on to the next one we're going to give you a bunch of ways to wrap up we'll we'll list them together but there's a part a and a part b for each of these and these are mix and match so you can take any of these part a's and match it to any part b and come up with the end for your your scenario so these don't necessarily just go together okay Mm -hmm. so here's an example part a your PCs have to prove their case in an intrigue or trial before a magistrate. Yeah. Part B, the consequence. Someone is watching that, who's watching that trial is so impressed by their skills that they want them to tackle another case for them and comes to them afterwards. Part A and Part B. Here's another one. The investigators make the results of their investigation known, whether to a you know, public in a trial or whatever. But the suspect commits seppuku before it is revealed publicly. Part B, a very powerful and very unscrupulous enemy of the suspect invites the party for tea to thank them for bringing down their most dangerous rival. Now you're in trouble. (laughs) Part A of another scenario. The suspect is summarily taken into custody and executed. You won. Yay, good. Part B. The suspect's family or friends or secret organization now hates you and is going to start bringing down the PCs in revenge for taking down their person. Yeah. We were talking about all the normal skills like fighting and spellcasting and stuff being used all the time. Well, this is where they come in. Suddenly blades in the dark and all that kind of unpleasantness. Mm -hmm. Another option. The suspect learns that the party has found them and flees. And that can result in the party then being commissioned to follow them, or they find that someone or someone is missing that the suspect may have taken with them when they fled. Right. Another adventure. Go find the dingus or person that got kidnapped as a hostage while well, the suspect fleed. Fled? Fled. Fled. All right. <laughs> Part A. The suspect, upon being accused or finding out this directly challenges the PCs to a duel. That could be it. Mm -hmm. Part B, as I said, these are all mix and match. The suspect is found dead by someone else's hand before the duel can even occur. Oh, no. Your your reward for solving the mystery is another mystery. Absolutely. That's classic. (laughs) Uh, Part A, someone responsible for the suspect has them killed to cover the shame of what they've done. To their, you know, their family, to their daimyo, to their secret organization. But part B, there's every chance that the suspect's death was to cover up involvement or conspiracy by someone else who was actually responsible. So you found the suspect, and the suspect's killed when everything happens. But you find out in searching the suspect's death that somebody else was responsible for them and had them killed to cover it up. Yep. They could, at part A, if the PCs go to the suspect with their accusation privately, this is, you know, an option, and all of these mm-hmm. are mix and match. For part B, the suspect could, on being accused, publicly or privately, uh, offer up a much more powerful, much more dangerous villain to the Empire or to the PCs if they are allowed to go, including a new threat that the PCs must follow through on. Mm. 
That's an interesting dilemma. I like that one. And finally, for this little section, we have the PCs accusing a person of wrongdoing and they're taking it to trial or they're taking it to the authorities. But whoever's in charge, the judge or the magistrate or the daimyo, they side with the suspect and they claim the PCs have made false accusations. But, part B, the PCs received confirmation privately through another source that they were in fact correct the whole time and that this authority figure, this magistrate or daimyo or whoever, has been corrupted either directly or then maybe they're being blackmailed. And so now that's what they have to deal with. So any of these can go together with any other ones. Yep. So, you know, we put them together like this, but you, you can just grab any part A and any part B and make yourself a, a scenario to come out of what the PCs do and you will have a brand new adventure the PCs will have to follow yeah. up with. So hopefully they all sound pretty Rokugani. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's always the interesting part is the most interesting part is giving them the victory, giving the PCs the victory. You solved it. You solved it. Yep. What what happens next? How does this lead to the next stage of the stories? So I hope that that was helpful. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. So we'd like to say thanks very much to you for listening, but also we'd like to and we'd like to give a shout out to our sister podcast, Fortune and Strife who is our affiliated actual play podcast. Uh, what are you guys up to kind of now-ish? We are just fleeing the burning sands. So ah. that'll be coming up soon. We have, been, we have been hanging out in the burning sands with the unicorn for a while and, and need to get back to Rokugan. Yep, time to get home. You, you left some, she left some washing on the line. Need to get back to it. And we'd also like to give a big thanks to our friends at D20 Radio who provide a, an enormous amount of role-playing game podcast content. So if, if there's anything you're interested, you will find it at D20 Radio. Yes, you will. Our content is funded by the Community Discord Patreon, which supports our editing costs, as well as our website, where you can store and see longer-term information, summaries of our podcast, RPG tools, and more. We are migrating to Notion. Things are a little strange, but we're still working on it. So yep. hopefully it's all there. For our patrons, we have special bonus content like Adventure Seeds, early access to our AP podcast, and other things as we think of them. Online, you can find us at our website at courtgamespod.com, on Twitter at twitter.com slash courtgamespod, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash courtgames. But that is it for us this week. This is Kikita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. I have been Korva, and until we meet again, keep your jade handy.